Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We did our quarterback ranks last week. We are now on to our tight end ranks this week. And Pat and I have been going back and forth for the last probably 15 minutes here on some really hot takes, honestly. And when you think about tight ends, you don't normally think this is going to be the hottest topic of debate, uh, which I think, you know, obviously we're going to have some more hot takes on our running backs and receivers, but I think there's a lot to get through with the tight end group this year, you know, particularly when we talk about the top six or seven, Pat. Um, So let's, we're going to dive into that in a a minute, but first off, I'm your host, James Swanson. This is Pad the Stats Fantasy Football Podcast, and I am joined once again Pretty much all year now, Pat, we've been, you and I, you've been on every podcast with me. Is that right, buddy? Yeah, and since the NFL draft, you know, I let you handle the the scouting, even though I did mine as well, yep. kind of right there with you. Let you handle the scouting takes, but I'm ready. I'm, I am uh, excited to get into the fantasy season. You know, I get that itch a little bit more every single day. Absolutely. So we just had some ribs. We have our beer. We're ready to go. Let's talk tight ends, Pat. And we're going to do exactly like we did last week with our quarterbacks. We're going to talk talk. Top 12 consensus. So when we talk about, we're, we're starting at 12 here because we just talk, we just talked about it off yeah. the air, right? We just said before we started recording this podcast, um, when you get from 13 to 19, there's not going to be a whole lot of movement. There's a lot of guys that we feel like are the same. So we, we can talk about them really briefly. Um, I'm going to pull up the consensus rankings here uh, quick. Um, when we talk about guys like... Uh, I'll talk about some of the guys who are outside the top 12 really quick. Jordan Reed, Austin Hooper, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Jack Doyle, Jimmy Graham, Greg Olson, right, Pat? We we don't think there's a lot of movement here, right? I mean, I think any of these guys could finish in the top, you know, in the top eight, the top six. Just one one or two of these guys could sneak in there. But I think it's going to be a pretty flat group, you know. And I'm not going to yell at you, like, at the end of your draft, if you would prefer, you know, a, a Kyle Rudolph or a Jack Doyle or a TJ Hawkinson or an Austin Hooper, like all those guys, while I do have them ranked, it's they're all in the same tier to me. That's why it's why I really like tier based rankings. Cause I can say, I can kind of see like, where does it a big positional drop off take, take, uh, take place? Like, yep. where is it that I like, if I don't get this last guy that's here, like I might as well just wait for a while, right. you know, type of thing. So, Let's go real quick here. Jordan Reed, Austin Hooper. Uh, I'll even throw in TJ Hawkinson, Jimmy Graham, Greg Olson, mm-hmm. Kyle Rudolph. Um, I think with Kyle Rudolph, with Irv Smith emerging, that's going to be that's going to handicap him even more. Um, we haven't seen the production from him in the past couple years now. Mm-hmm. But if I those guys I just listed, if if there's one guy you you would say, hey, I think he might have a legitimate chance to jump in the top eight, maybe take that seven or eight spot. Which one of you guys? Which one of those guys do you think could do that? How about I give you somebody different? Okay, I just listed like yeah, six. But... I know, but I'm going to give you someone different. I'm going to tell you, Mark Andrews, I think has a really good shot this year at taking over that tight end role and being somewhat of a you know a safety blanket of a good weapon for uh, for Lamar Jackson. Yep. You know, this has been an offense that has used a lot, utilized its tight ends well over in the past. And Mark Andrews was kind of a nice option for Lamar Jackson last year. He's his, one of his few returning options in the past game. I mean, they, they lost John Brown. They lost Michael Crabtree. I mean, Willie Sneed's still there, who started to emerge with um, Lamar Jackson. Not a guy, bad guy to 
think of it first couple weeks of the the year but um yep. you know i think mark andrews is one of those guys he might have developed a rapport with i think mark andrews showed the best out of those group that group last year and uh, i think he could be a reliable weapon for lamar jackson in a kind of a low passing offense okay so mark andrews for pat a guy who you know hey what would you say if you if, say if you're in the eighth or ninth tenth round? Is that is that would you oh, pull the trigger on a guy? Is your last pick in your draft? I don't I don't think you anybody, wouldn't even go a single. If dig, you're going to take a guy like Mark Andrews, pick. I'm just like whatever. I am punting tight end this year. I'm streaming it. I might as well take a guy with a lot of upside who right off the bat might show that he's going to be a top option. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's talk top 12. At number 12, we have Delaney Walker, a guy right off the bat here, Pat. We are we differ on him. Yeah. Uh, I have him much lower. I have him – I'm going to shuffle back and forth between my ranks here, so bear with me a little you bit. You have him at a 15, and I'm I have 15, him at 11. Yeah. Now, guy, again, I think of this guy, Delaney Walker, and our next guy, a little bit – spoiler here, Trey Burton, are kind of all right in that same area. I kind of see them as, you know what, this is my the guy that I'm going to take over a couple other ones, you know, I think Delaney Walker, he's shown that he can do it before. He's shown, I mean, and he's going to guy who's done it a little older. Now, he had a bad injury last year. It's going to depend on uh, what we see from him in the preseason. Yeah. And make sure he's okay and healthy. But a guy that showed that he can do it in the past, and if he doesn't, then I just cut him and pick up, you know, Noah Fawn or Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Uh, look, for me, I have him a little bit lower because he's a 30, he's going to be 35 in August. Um, he played one game last year. He's he's getting older. He's coming off a pretty bad injury, and I think he broke his ankle. Yeah. Um. So it's you know, a, a bone break. That's something a guy can can come back from a little bit, maybe better than a ligament tear. Um. But you're right. I, look, I can see your argument, and here's why: 111, 102, 133, 106. Those are Delaney Walker's targets the four years previous. Yeah. So, look, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. A.J. Brown comes in. I think Corey Davis takes a step ahead this year. They bring in Adam Humphreys. Yeah. I think there's going to be more targets to go around, so I don't see Delaney Walker getting over 100 targets this year. And that's true, yeah. Um, but I can see where you're coming from. I'm just a little bit hesitant. Older tight end, coming off an injury. There's more weapons to feed in that offense this year. I still don't like Marcus Mariota. I'm just mm-hmm. concerned about the efficiency there. So yeah. I, I don't have him. I have him a little bit lower. Not a guy that I'm going to draft, but I can see where and you're coming from. Honestly, as the preseason goes on, I could easily see him starting to drop off and starting to fall below some guys that sound like they're generating some buzz. He's a guy I don't think he has much move, upward movement, like upward ability or upward movement yep. in before Potential. the draft yep. season yep. starts, unless he just comes out that he like, looks like a brand new man. You know, but I could see him a, a guy dropping. But again... He's among this group that I just think all have equal value, and I'm fine with right at the end of my draft. Yeah, so, okay, we got Delaney Walker at 12. We're going to move on to number 11, and that's Trey Burton, Pat. Talk a little bit about Trey Burton. I, I thought it took him some time to get into that Bears offense last year. Yep. Do you think that he gets more involved this season? You know, I honestly don't. I, I just I just don't see him... I mean, he finished what is like t- tight end like ten or nine or eleven. So he finished right around this area last year. Mm-hmm. It just it was very unspectacular owning him, and you just never felt like you got anything out of him. He was always kind of like, yeah, I got seven points from Trey Burton this week, but like, you know, he did that consistently. Um, it's just like I don't like I don't I don't see him changing much. I just don't think Trubisky really values that off the the tight end. I don't think that that offense really you know, focuses on the tight end very much. I think he just kind of stays where he was at last year. So this will surprise you. 
Burton actually finished his tight end six last year. And I can tell and, you. And that's just – and I'll say this, though. We'll talk about these guys in a second. One in particular, and that's O.J. Howard, a guy who finished outside the top ten, oh, yeah. who missed a bunch of games last year. Rob Gronkowski missed a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't miss a bunch of games, he but he, he missed a few games, and he was not himself anymore. Um, now, obviously, Gronk's out of the league, so that doesn't really matter this year, but – it was a really a big drop off once you got down past six and seven in oh the tight God, end department. It was department. so bad. It was so bad. And we could see that again this year, but I think there is a little bit more depth this season. Yeah. Uh, maybe a couple. I think you're going to get a little bit more stability through maybe tight end eight or nine mm-hmm. than you would have in the past. I would agree. So, but yeah, standard leagues. Um, I have the numbers here. Trey Burton at a hundred and. I'm sorry, Adam at ninety three, ninety three fantasy points. Uh. Jared Cook was at five with 125, so there was quite a bit. 123 fantasy points. 125 fantasy points. Oh yeah. This That's is standard so scoring. Low. This is standard scoring. This okay. is not PPR. Okay. Uh, I just have standard scoring up here right now. Uh, 125 points from Jared Cook. 93 uh, from Trey Burton. So um, he was right at 7.9 fantasy points per game. Yeah, again. In standard just, scoring he, leagues. He, and I, I can tell you, as an owner of him last year in my in our dynasty league, I actually um, traded for him after I had Hunter Henry and was sitting, I was thinking pretty, like sitting there pretty with my tight end, and then he gets injured. So I had to scramble and try to get a guy. And you had traded me Anthony Miller and Trey Burton. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I like, uh, I, but he just, he was very underwhelming to own last year. And it, even though, he did finish as high as he did. Yeah. I, look, I think that, that Allen Robinson could even get a little bit more involved this year. I'm hoping Anthony Miller gets more involved with that offense, even though I'm not an owner anymore, uh, at least in Dynasty. Um, look, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that the Bears are going to run the ball a good bit with David Montgomery. I think that they're going to throw the ball still a good bit uh, to Tariq Cohen. I, I still think there are going to be targets there for Trey Burton. Yeah, I don't get me like, wrong, but I, I I don't know. I can't get really excited about him. I have it tight end 12, but I could yeah, see him finishing his yeah. tight end 9 and or 10. I have him right there with you. You know, I easily could see him, like, I he, like I almost feel like he's the fourth option in that offense. Like, he's behind Cohen. He's behind uh, He's behind Miller. He's behind Anthony. He's behind... Uh, Pest. Uh, yep, the Pest. He's behind <laughs> Allen Robinson. So, like, I, while I think it's a very, like, level offense where they're just getting the ball to whoever's open, I just don't... Like think he's going to be command a significant share. Yeah. Yep. So um. So okay, we got Trey Burton at eleven. We're going to move on here to number ten. And hold on, I'm on my ranks again here. So at ten, we have Vance McDonald, and mm-hmm. I think we're pretty even on this one. I think yep. I have him right there too. Yep. We. Um, I have him at ten. You have him at eleven. I have him at eleven. So the guy, you know, that I think he's a good. This is the reason I have him up there. Is because while I think he's a good, he's a guy that's going to give you good numbers while he's in, and, and if he and if you hit the jackpot and he plays all sixteen games, you're going to be happy you drafted him because I think he's going to finish, you know, five six right there, kind of right at the end of the the like you're the first of many. You know what I'm saying? Correct. Yes. Uh, the biggest thing with Vance McDonald is can he stay healthy? Exactly. Uh, he's an injury risk. I think one of the bigger injury risks at the tight end position. But, I mean, if you're this far down, but if you're take, this the, far guy down, that, like, take yeah. the guy that's going to get you great games and then get yep. injured, and then you can start streaming like everybody else. Yeah, and I mean, the, just how athletic Vance McDonald is, I, I don't think people realize sometimes, like, they, they watch the stiff arm against Chris mm-hmm. Conti against the Bucks on Monday yeah. night, and that blew up. But I don't think people really understand 
we get to watch him because we're Steeler fans a little bit more, so mm-hmm. we pay attention to him more. But he's really athletic. He like, like he has the potential of being a top six tight end. I'm not no, kidding. He like he really does. He's not going to get used that way in the Steeler offense because Ben's never used utilized his tight end quite that way. Nope. But no. yes, I agree with you. Top ten, absolutely. Yeah. Top eight, I wouldn't yeah. put it past him. Yep. I mean, so I think he's going to give you top top eight, top six numbers when he's healthy. And you're talking about an offense that is going to be vacated 150 targets, give or take, from Antonio Brown. Yep. We're not sure yet what James Washington is in this offense. We just got a report today saying that Dante Moncrief is a slam dunk yeah. number two option. Yeah. So that makes me think that, look, I'm, I'm starting. I, it's a little bit early. I don't want to push the panic button. This is a little bit off topic. But I, I'm not sure how I feel about James Washington ever making it. Really, I have a I have a bad feeling that he's not going to fit in this offense just okay. to, from watching him. I think he could have kind of his niche a little bit. So the point here being, I don't know how many targets go that way. I don't know how many targets go Dante Moncrief's way in year one. I would say probably somewhere in the seventy to ninety range. That's a pretty mm-hmm. big range. Um, but outside of Juju, there's a lot of it, it's kind of unproven. Yeah. You, you got some guys questions. that have been there, but the, not a lot of high target guys, not a lot of high volume. So mm-hmm. I could certainly see Vance McDonald being a guy who catches 60 passes. Yeah. I think, I think honestly, as crazy as to say, when Vance McDonald is healthy, this is a very huge caveat. When he is healthy, he has a pretty safe floor and a good upside. Like, I, I think yeah. that there's going to be, like, if you st- if you gave him 16 games, I think you're going to be able to say, okay, I think he's going to get a good target share, but he has potential to go crazy, which I think is a little bit lower of a chance, but I think he, he has that potential because there's so many open targets in this offense. Yeah, and the Steelers did really nothing to fill the hole that Jesse James left behind, no. which it's not a huge hole in the receiving game. But he has to play. But like, he has to play. Unless Zach Gentry, who like we don't think is a proven ready, he's prospect, a fifth round pick rookie. He's not. I don't think he's ready yet either. Correct. Unless he goes out and just scores all touchdowns, I think Vance McDonald is going to have a good role when he is in the lineup. Yep, I I would agree. I think this is probably the best chance for Vance McDonald to shine and take a step forward. So, at twelve, we had Delaney Walker, eleven Trey Burton, ten Vance McDonald, and at number nine, Pat. I will let you start off on this one as well, David Njoku, in, yeah. who um, is in a what looks like a really potent offense now. Yeah, he does. He really is, and that's why I have him here. I think he's you know he's athletic. He hasn't proven what we wanted him to. He's dropped a lot of passes. He has one of the lowest catch rates in the league, um, but he's in a potent offense who should score a lot of points. Now, I kind of go back and forth on how much of a passing offense this is going to be. I go back and forth on how much Najoku's going to get of that workload with guys like OBJ, with guys like Jarvis Landry, yep. um, even Antonio Callaway. I could see Antonio just, Callaway taking a yeah. step forward in year two. Yeah. Even just, just deep as a deep option. Now that doesn't, you don't, you might think, oh, that doesn't affect Najoku, but like if he's commanding targets or opening up that offense in a way that is going to, it could be that he's not, Najoku's not going to get as many targets. Yeah. I mean, while I could see Najoku catching a good amount of touchdowns, because I expect that offense to be in the red zone a good amount. I just, I don't know what his upside is. Like he's an athletic guy. I just, with that offense as it is, I don't know how many receptions he can get. So this does scare me. Well, but I do recognize that he has potential. 
I think we're talking about a player who's probably capped at what we see from Eric Ebron in the Colts offense at around 50 to 55 Mm -hmm. catches. Uh, I don't know if he's a double-digit touchdown guy. Um, I don't have Baker Mayfield throwing a ton of touchdowns. I think I have him in the low 30s. Okay. So, look, I I don't see David Njoku being a guy who's going to go out and do what Eric Ebron did in Indy and catch 13 touchdowns. Can he catch eight touchdowns? I think yes. Mm -hmm. But you're also talking about Odell Beckham, who is he going to catch 10? He very well could. Yeah. And Jarvis Landry is probably going to catch four yeah. or five. Yeah, I don't know how much there is to go around. So I think eight is probably the ceiling in terms of touchdowns. And I think 55 catches is the ceiling in terms of reception. So it, it's going to come down to, hey, is he going to be a yards per catch guy? Is he going to stretch the field a little bit? Is he going to be able to, to you know, go 55 for 900? I, I don't know the answer to that, but... And I think he can't. He could. I think he could. He's athletic enough to do that. Yeah, but it's just, could I see at the end of the year that while David Njoku ends up having more points than Vance McDonald, that Vance McDonald owners are more happy that they had him when he was healthy? I could easily see that. I could see, you know, the thing is, is I could easily see David Njoku just being an absolute trashy tight end every week in and out, then... I think that uh, that Vance McDonald has. It's just I just think I just see that Najoku has a little bit more upside to do it every single week yeah. than Vance McDonald does, and that's why I'd rather have Najoku. But it's close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very close. I, do we both have Najoku at nine? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, we both have him at nine. And honestly, if I'm sitting there and the a guy is like, say I'm sitting at like you know the twelfth pick in a, or the let's say the eighth pick in a fourteen team in a twelve team league. So, you know, okay. you, got, you got a little bit to go. And I'm like, well, there's one guy between me right at the end of the draft that doesn't have a tight end yet. I'm just going to say, you know what? I'm going to take who I want here and let him pick that tight end. And then I'll take whoever comes back to me because I'm fine with either one of them. Okay. Okay. So we're kind of at that point still, still in yeah, our rankings of where you're okay with letting, letting a, a guy like fate. David Njoku yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. So where, <clears throat> let me ask you this. Where would you be comfortable taking Njoku in a 12-team draft? Uh, is he a single-digit tight end? Would you take him in the ninth or the tenth round? I mean, I have a I, you know with some a lot of times I look at it as in terms of our fourteen-team league where it's like, well, you know, nobody's going to draft two tight ends, but in a deeper league, somebody's going to draft two tight ends. Mm-hmm. Like we're like within our in our league of like our home league, we have only three bench spots, so it makes it really hard to draft extra quarterbacks. Well, now it does happen, but extra tight ends doesn't. Yeah. Um, I always struggle with when I get to that ninth and tenth round, and let's say I, I, I haven't, I've, I've still waited on quarterback and tight end. Yeah. Okay. And I'm looking at the board, and I'm thinking, okay, do I want to pull the, tr- which one do I want to wait on? Yeah. Do I want to take Kirk Cousins here, or and, or do I want to take David Njoku? Like, which one do I actually want to mm-hmm. wait on? Yeah. I feel those are kind of two similar ones for me. Yeah. Um. I, I, I just wait. Like, I would rather yeah. draft my like backup high-end, like, high-upside wide receiver that I like to take right at the end of the draft than, than drafting Vance McDonald, David, and Joku. I'd rather just wait it yeah. wait it out and almost taking one of these, like, taking the, the guy who falls. And this is good draft strategy talk. So we're a little bit off topic here, but this is good stuff. So, I mean, for a draft that we're about to do, so we're about to do the no-trade, no, uh, yeah. well, it's a, a waiver, but it's, I mean, it's spotty no, because yeah. there's really, it's Very a 10 bench. Yep, no-trade. 
um, league. Yeah, so. I mean that's a that's a that's a perfect scenario where like you pro you want to get probably two quarterbacks in that in that scenario yeah. and two tight ends, but at the same time, like I mean, you gotta load up yeah. at, at your premium positions. No doubt. You just have to. Yeah. And I have no problem with that too. So I, I will echo that all day, Pat. All right, let's move on to number eight. I'm sorry, are we at eight or nine? We're, We're at eight. eight. Yeah. Now this is where my tier break is. This is where like if I can get this guy, I'd much rather have him than any of the guys that we've talked about already. And I will draft one of these guys and not wait on it if I can get one of these guys, I think. Depending on yeah. where the on its value, and I need to kind of do a little more drafting and and stuff to figure out where like I value some of these guys and yep. where I begin wanting that to take that last tight end, but like this is where my tier break is. Yeah. So I, do we both have this player at eight? Uh, I have him at eight. I have him at we actually we have a tie for seven and eight. So we okay. have a tie at seven between Eric Ebron so, and Jared Cook. So Jared Cook, this is one of the most interesting guys in this year's draft at the tight end position for me. Mm-hmm. Because he's coming off a year in Oakland where he was a top five tight end. We've seen tight ends since Jimmy Graham not do a whole lot in New Orleans. Right? Yeah. I, we, we didn't see Kobe Fleener do anything in New Orleans. No, we didn't. Ben Watson has been older, but they really they really have not had a guy like Jimmy Graham since since Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Uh well it's hard to be Jimmy Graham, let's put yeah. let's put it that way. And I don't think Jared Cook well, is have, Jimmy Graham either. But the, but Jared Cook is more in that mold than anybody they've I would agree with you there. From an athletic standpoint and an athletic profile, Jared Cook is more like Jimmy Graham than than anything that they've had. And, and I'm still hesitant to. I have him at eight, and I think that is a, about a perfect landing spot yeah. for him. I am not. I don't want to say I'm not particularly excited to draft Jared Cook, but I'm. He's not going to be a guy I'm, I'm targeting either. Yeah. I would like to get. It's kind of like Jordan Reed last year, where I was kind of excited to draft Jordan Reed in a way, but I wanted to get him at a very good value, and I thought I could. Mm-hmm. I think I can get good value on Jared Cook this year. Like I, yeah. I, I'm fine with taking Jared Cook in the eighth round, yeah. But like I, mean, I don't want to draft Jared Cook in the sixth round, yeah. Like no, that's how I feel no. about Jared Cook. Do you do you kind of feel the same way about him? Where like do you think people are going to be wanting to take him higher because they saw what he did in Oakland, and they think, oh my God, he's going to be playing with Drew Brees in a high, pro, you know, potent offense? Like, do you think that t- people are going to be reaching for Jared Cook in that sixth round? I, I don't want to take him there. Do you? Yeah, I'm no, so I'm looking at, at a current ADP, which, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes. But Jared Cook is going at right at the start of the seventh round. Eric Ebron okay. is going right at the end of the sixth round. They're going right at the same spot. And honestly, like, this is another this is another group that I'd honestly feel okay about getting either one of them. Like, I don't care. If you're going to let me pick between – I'd let, rather let you pick and my, take my guy than – than you know, losing potentially missing out on my guy, because like I see Jared Cook and Eric Ebon very similarly. Similarly, they're it's it's perfect that, that we kind of have them back to back, and we have them kind of flip flop because like I think these guys are very similar. Like they're both guys that have underproduced in their career. Jared Cook has just gone around and been like, oh man, Jared Cook in Green Bay, wow, he's gonna be crazy. Jared yep. Cook, oh man, in L.A. or as in in St. Louis is with the Rams, like that's gonna be wild. Like. Yeah, it's just I feel like he, he always flashed yeah, it always the athleticism, flashed, but like, you never you never, never knew he never if, yeah. did what he, you expected him to do. Yep. Um, and same with Eric Ebron until until you know last year, and same with Cook. Like just last year, these guys yeah. finally did what we thought they could do. But I to me, 
with Eric Ebron, I see regression. Jared Cook, I think he could hit that again in that offense. I think Jared Cook, you know, there's not quite as many, there's not as quite as much of a loaded wide receiving core in New Orleans compared to what I see in Indy. Indy, yeah. So uh, that's a good t- yeah, I, I would agree there. While Eric Ebron just did it in Indy and Cook is going to a new offense, and I expect Indy to actually pass more than New Orleans. Yes, by quite a bit. I just think that there's a little bit more of a gap there for Jared Cook to do what he did, and we've seen what Drew Brees can do with a good tight end. Yeah, I look great take on your part. I agree with the 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 Jared Cook and the Eric Ebron in terms of their career trajectory. Uh you know, kind of what they've, you know, who they've been to this point. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very similar to in, in what they're probably going to be this year. And I'll talk about Eric Ebron and his numbers and kind of where I have him projected at. I, I haven't gotten through my full projections yet, and I'm, I'm still working on it. I don't want to just kind of throw them out there before yeah. I before I really dive into it. I have my top seven projections, so I'm going to start getting into them in the next few. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a super high-volume year for Jared Cook, and I don't think it's going to be a super high volume year for Eric Ebron. No, I agree. Now, does is Jared Cook going to win in the red zone like Eric Ebron does in Indy? Like that's where I think that Eric. That's true. That's that where true. Jared Cook is going to win, and that's where he is going to solidify himself as a potential, say, top six tight end. I don't. I don't think he necessarily gets there. Like I think he can catch six or seven touchdowns. I don't think he's catching ten touchdowns. So. Yeah, I mean, I have him at eight, and I think that's probably about right where I would break yeah, where I think he's probably yeah. going to be. Yeah, I think it's perfect, honestly. I think both these guys are good. You know, like I said, I would, I will let you, I will take my wide receiver running back um, and let you take either Eric Ebron or Jared Cook, but I would much rather have one of these guys yep. than Vance McDonald or um, David Njoku. Now, again, it's going to depend on who I'm, who they're around in the sixth round. In this, in the early, in the late sixth, early seventh, to who I want to take. Yep. Like if I end up deciding to take these guys, or just you know letting them pass by and not getting much value from them, but um, I think there's a clear tier break between Joku and and uh, Ebron and Cook. Okay. Let's talk about uh, where are we at here. We're, we're actually going to talk about Eric Ebron right now. We're going to yep. go with our number seven consensus tight end. And I talked about. I'll start this one off, Pat, because. I have I have quite a bit on Eric Ebron that I want to talk about. Um, let me pull it up here. But look, last year Eric Ebron finishes tight end four. Okay, in 2018, 110 targets, 66 receptions, 750 yards, nothing crazy. Boom, 13 touchdowns. He led all tight ends. The next highest was 10. So this guy, where he made his money, we just talked about where we think. Jared Cook has to make his money in the red zone. Well, Eric Hebron made his money in the red zone last year. We're talking about a guy like Andrew Luck who threw, what, the second most attempts, I think, right behind Big Ben in the league last year. We think they're going to throw a lot again this year. But that's where he really made his bread last year. Eric Hebron was in the red zone, catching a lot of touchdowns. Look, he just turned 26 years old. The biggest thing that we need to think about with with Ebron and, and with the landscape of the Colts passing attack in general is Jack Doyle. How does Jack Doyle factor into all this? Okay. So I'll tell you this, Jack Doyle only played in six games last season with Jack Doyle. This is kind of crazy to me. 
This this kind of blew me away. With Jack Doyle in the lineup in those six games, again, this won't blow you away, this part of it. 22 targets, 18 receptions, 228 yards for Eric Ebron. Mm. Seven touchdowns. Seven touchdowns in those six games Eric wow. Ebron had with Jack Doyle in the lineup. Hmm. That's That was crazy to me. Yeah. That was crazy to me. So his six other touchdowns came in those 10 games without Doyle. So he caught more than half of his touchdowns in six games with a, a guy who has shown that he can he can eat up over 100 targets. Let me what? Give, you're let me putting your you finger up, so what? what? What if We talked about this earlier. Like I told you that I see Ebron as more of a wide receiver than I do... This was a good take. This this was a good topic. What if they like if they start playing him as mostly split out as a wide receiver and start giving him wide receiver like targets? Because if if Jack Doyle is there, he can block. He can do the tight end things and be that safety guy over the middle who Luck likes to throw if he needs to. But what if Ebron starts playing that big slot, that big guy that's able to split out and stretch the field and and, and run down the seam instead of having to do also the tight end duties that Jack Doyle would normally do if he was healthy. I think that's the ideal scenario for for Eric Ebron owners. It, it, that's what you want to like. It, it, when you're in camp, when it's July and August, like you want to hear that. Yeah. Like you really want to hear. Like Pat, we talk a lot of times about you know good news about guys like oh this guy's shining, this guy's doing this. Like we kind of just turn a cold shoulder to it unless it's bad news. This is one of those things from a strategy standpoint that we want to hear. Is Eric Ebron on the field with Jack Doyle and three t- three wide receiver sets when they have one tight end on the field? Because I think the Colts are at oftentimes I think they're going to use a lot of two tight end sets with those guys. But how much if if Eric Ebron is not on the field on three wide receiver sets and it's Jack Doyle say seventy percent of the time, which I don't know if that's the way it's going to be. I have no idea really to be honest with you. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think if if the more that they can get Ebron on the field and if it's and if he's dominating in three receiver sets, and if they're getting him on the field quite a bit in those scenarios, I mean, all the better. Yeah. Now, I would have to do some research and see how what I think of like a guy like Funchess versus Ebron for their route running and their ability to play out there. But if you're telling me that, like, if you would ask me, who would you rather have out there as your wide receiver, Funchess or Ebron? Like, I would take. I would Ebron. take Ebron all day. Like, yeah. it wouldn't even be close. Like, I, I think Funchess is just a bigger. Like a big, like not, he's, I think he's less athletic than Ebron. I think he's smaller than Ebron. I don't think he does anything better than Ebron does unless possibly route running. Now I'd have to look at that and see if maybe Ebron just really doesn't have that big of a route tree compared to somebody like Kelvin Benjamin. Right. But I can't Kelvin, imagine Kelvin Benjamin being have the crispest routes. Well, and it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be that, does it? Can't it be T.Y. on one outside, you know, playing the, and, and then... You're talking about Funches on the outside and the other side of the field, and then if you have a slot Ebron receiver and a three, and you put Ebron in the slot and let him kind I of work that. Again, I'd almost rather have like Ebron and on and Ty on the outside, and then Paris Campbell in the slot. Yeah, nah, that'd be that'd be that sounds magic. lethal. Yeah. Just off the top, that sounds lethal. So, so yeah, Eric Ebron. The one thing, and this is kind of what Eric has held Eric Ebron back in the past is he had eight drops last year. That's that's oh, a, he's lot. a drop that's master. A lot. That's a lot of drops, but um, but look, yeah, with, I mean, Jack Doyle saw 108 targets in 2017. He was on pace for 88 targets last year, so that's just something that we need to think about. 
these are the numbers that I have. I, I have Eric Ebron losing 30 targets this year. I'll tell you that straight up. Yeah. Last year at 110, this year I have been 80. I have him catching 52 balls for 580 yards and nine touchdowns. So I do have him regressing a little bit, but I think that, dude, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't see the connection between Andrew Luck and Eric Ebron in the red zone changing a whole lot. No. And I have I have Andrew Luck throwing 45 touchdowns, so nine might still sound kind of a hefty number, but especially right. for a guy who's only going to catch 50 passes. But, yeah, I think Ebron That's gets That's where there. Ebron does his damage is in the red right. zone. So, yeah, I, I agree. I'm like, it's, uh, I, that's uh, and this is where I think I'm going to go back and forth between all years between Jared Cook and Ebron. It's going to be one of those battles in my ranks, like one of those classic ones where you're just like, ah, I can't figure out where yeah. I'm going to rank these guys. With their, I mean, they're they're very similar for me. I agree with you. It, yes, I would agree and with you 100%. I could easily see me getting enough of, on one of those hype trains to move him above our next guy. So let's really quick before we do our next guy, Pat, I just want to recap 12 uh, through 7 so far. So at number 12, we had Delaney Walker. At number 11, Trey Burton. 10, Vance McDonald. 9, David Njoku. 8, Jared Cook. And 7, Eric Ebron. And now on to our number 6 tight end, a guy who I think is going to bounce back in a big way this year, and that's Evan Ingram. Yep. So... Pat, I, I let us off there a little bit with uh, with Ebron. Tell our listeners what what do you think as, in terms of an outlook for twenty nineteen for Evan Ingram, and specifically, I think one of the big things we need to talk about here is Odell Beckham no longer in New York. There's quite a bit of targets left over. Yeah, now there are a lot of targets uh, that uh, Evan Ingram could uh, kind of inherit this year. Now, he's been very good whenever, whenever uh, OBJ's been out of the lineup. He ha- I mean, that was his basically his entire breakout year. OBJ was out of the lineup. I yep. know because I owned OBJ. Hurt a lot not having, having him break that leg. Yep. Um, but I just, you know, I don't believe in that offense. I think it's going to be a very handicapped offense. I think that, that, that they're going to be kind of a lot of guys that run across the middle and Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Evan Ingram. And while Evan Ingram might be able to be a seam guy, I just don't see him getting the if he he's either going to be a seam guy or he's going to be a volume guy. I don't see him doing that if you know I don't see him doing the the excess volume with a guy like Golden Tate with Sterling Shepard there, you know, kind of run it fulfilling the same roles. Yeah. Um Barkley is going to command his targets. You know, we already saw Eli love to just basically look down the field say holy crap and then just dump it off to to Barkley. Um I just how does Golden Tate factor into that offense? And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think Golden Tate, like, if you had just Golden Tate and no Sterling Shepard, yeah, there's room for for Evan Ingram. If you just had Sterling Shepard and no Golden Tate, like, I just see all these guys filling the same exact role. If you're going to, if you're, what you're saying is Evan Ingram's going to be a volume guy. And that's where I think he's succeeded. Now, he has the athleticism to kind of stretch it down the field, but he just hasn't done that in his past couple of years. Yep. What he's about to have an average, average yards, uh, per reception of 12.8, which, I mean, for some of the tight ends we're looking at, at at this high in the ranks, it's just not that much. Like Hunter Henry, O.J. Howard, all of that. George like Kittle. Uh, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. Like, unless, unless you think he's going to get the volume of Zach Ertz, he's not going to be that – he's not going to be one of those guys. Yeah. And in a bad offense that caps his touchdown potential, 
it just I I don't see it. I don't see it from him. And he, not to mention he's an unreliable target. He likes to drop the ball. He drops passes, and honestly, I think he's a guy who, look, he's already got a little bit of a hamstring injury. Um, it's something that bothered him last year. I think it was the groin of the hamstring that bothered him last year. He only played in 11 games. Um, you know, the soft tissue stuff, that bothers me a little bit. You know, for a guy like this, um, <clears throat> this is my biggest question, Pat, and I'm going to talk about something else that we talked about before we started recording this podcast after I talk about this. Which Evan Ingram do we get this year? Is it going to be the guy who caught 70% of his passes, you know, in 2017, 70% of his targets in 2017 Mm -hmm. or 55% of his targets in 2018? Yeah. Now he had 115 targets. Uh, He was on pace for 123 targets in 2017. He played in 15 games. He was on pace for 93 targets last year. Now we saw Barkley come in and eat up just a ton of targets as well. And Odell Beckham played the whole year. So, Look, I, I think that he's that that target number from 93, I, I do think it's going to come up a little bit. Um, I am at 112 targets this year, 71 catchers, 900 yards, and six touchdowns. That's 197 points, um, well below the top guys, the top four guys for me. Uh, you know, I have quite a bit, and I will talk about O.G. Howard, but I am quite a bit behind that as well. Um, my thing... And this is somebody. This is something that you need to factor in if this is your mindset. You talked about this, Pat. This was your mindset. When does Daniel Jones step into the starting lineup? You think mm-hmm. there's a very good chance of that, by the sounds of it. I think there's, you know, like I said earlier, I think there's about a 20, 25% chance of him stepping into the step, the starting lineup for a good number of games this year, like more than six. Like, I think that that's something you have to think about. Now, Maybe and that factors maybe, in, and maybe, but maybe Daniel Jones is better for Evan Ingram. Maybe he prefers him. Could maybe be. he hates him. I mean, you don't know. And maybe they run the ball a lot more and try to do a little more wildcat or not wildcat, but like you know, option game, something like crazy. Yeah. Um, I just you that you're you're adding a big another question mark to that offense, and it just increases his volatility. And I could see him, like you know, just not returning the year you want. I think he has a higher floor. Than both Ebron and um, and uh, Ebron and spit it out and Cook. Oh, Jerker, yeah, yeah. But I, he has nowhere near the upside to me. Really, you don't think he? Uh, see, I Jared think- Cook and J- Jared Cook and Eric Ebron are going to be in two of the best offenses in the league. Yeah, but I think Eric Evan e- Ingram's going to be in one of the two worst. Look, I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a chance that Eric Ebron catches over 60 passes. Yeah, but I think he has a much higher touchdown. Potential. What if he doesn't? We've talked about touchdowns. They're kind of fluky. Now, I, I just got done saying, like, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I think he catches nine. Yeah. Like, that's what I have him at. He, but, like, what if he doesn't? What if he catches six? Well, then he. that's why I'm saying he has a lower floor. Okay. I'm saying that Evan Ingram has a higher, higher floor but a lower ceiling. I don't think Evan Ingram catches 10, 11 touchdowns. No, probably not. Probably not. He could catch. He could even catch like eighty passes. That's what I'm saying. I think he's going to be more of a, a little bit more of a volume guy than those two. But I think they have much higher potential. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I could see that. I could see that. I don't think they have that much higher potential. I think that. I think Evan Ingram has quite a bit of potential. I think too. in Jared Cook's best year, he could catch the same amount of passes in Evan Ingram's worst year. Not worst year, but like middle Evan to, Ingram, to lower, lower. Evan Ingram has a much better chance of, of surpassing 1,000 yards 
than Eric Ebron, like by a long shot. But I don't think he's going to touch his Like Eric, Eric Ebron probably won't top 700 yards. Yeah, but that's, you're talking about what? Well, that's 30 points. 30 points compared to yeah. an extra four or five touchdowns, yeah, I mean, which that's is right there. True. Yeah. I mean, does he catch five more touchdowns? I don't know. I think it's easy, much more possible. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think so, but hey, that's what we're here for. We're, we're here to differ yeah. on things, so that's good. Um, I will take the guy in the better offense. Yeah. Uh, well, there's no arguing that. I can't argue that, uh, you know, to an extent, but I think the upside is fairly similar for those three guys. Um, I, I think Evan Ingram has a good comeback, a good bounce back year. Um, you know, I think if now, he can stay healthy, again. not even really a big bounce back. I think he had an okay year last year, but I think he has a something a little bit more similar to his rookie season yeah. when he was and, tight end five. And I'm saying this having Evan Ingram ranked above both of those guys. Yeah. I'd rather have Evan Ingram. I'm just saying that I think that if you're shooting for the moon, I would rather have Eric Ebron or Jared Cook. Okay. Well, let's get into our top five. And let's talk Again, about tight end. Another tier break here. I think these guys are far and away better so, than the rest of them. And if I'm going to draft a tight end, I'm going after one of these five guys, I think. So you think there's actually two more tier breaks. There's this one and then there's one more, right? Yep. Yep. I so do. let's talk about the next two in the next tier break. And we have Hunter Henry and OJ Howard. Um, I would probably agree with you that um, there is a tier break here from those other guys, especially Evan yeah. Ingram, Jared Cook. Yes, I would agree with you there. I think before we talk about some of the numbers from these two guys and where exactly we have them, Henry and Howard, that is, I think Howard has the best chance of anybody to jump into that top tier. I think both of these guys have the ability to to jump into that top three, that mythical top three that we seem to always have. Yeah. I don't think that any of the other guys have near the potential. I don't, I agree with you there. I would agree with you there. I think OJ Howard has a, has the best chance to do it. I think, uh, but I, I don't think you're crazy for saying Hunter Henry has a chance to jump in that top three. I, I, number I, one would agree. I think, I think OJ Howard. And again, we, I, we actually agree here that Hunter Henry has a little bit less of a chance, but OJ Howard is, is I think the superior potential. So our consensus, we have Hunter Henry at number five. Um, look, he's coming back from the torn ACL. There's no more Antonio Gates in the offense unless they somehow decide to bring him back again. Uh, I think he's a free agent again. So unless they bring him back again, uh, look, this is a guy who there's a lot of targets to go around. Uh, they lose Tyrell Williams, but they still have Keenan Allen, who's going to command a lot of targets. Melvin Gordon's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think Mike Williams takes a big step forward this year. But, you know, I don't think 100 targets is out of the question mm-hmm. for, you know, for Hunter Henry. I have been 95. Um, but I have him have at a pretty good catch rate, I think. And I think I have him scoring a decent amount of touchdowns. I'll have to take a look at the numbers exactly of what I have him. But but at number five, um, I guess what's your take, Pat, in an overall sense? Do you think that over, you know, 100-plus targets is in the books this year for Hunter Henry? I mean, I wouldn't say it's a guarantee. You know, I think Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen's still there. He commands, he commands, you know, all of the targets he wants, practically. I mean, Melvin yeah. Gordon is going to get a lot of targets as well as Austin Eckler is. And then you have Mike Williams there as a potential breakout as well. So I, I that's another reason I see O.J. Howard as a lot more of a potential breakout because I could easily see Hunter Henry having a bad year. Like, it's in their books. I think he's a good – I think he's a great talent. I think he's there with O.J. Howard in terms of his ability. But 
I just there's a lot more there's not more weapons than offense, and I could easily see them both being decent offenses in terms of fantasy points. Mm-hmm. So real quick, I have him at 95 targets, 66 receptions, 905 yards. Excuse me, and seven touchdowns. Uh, his rookie. I keep forgetting that this is Hunter Henry's fourth season. Like, yeah. I think he's in his third. I keep thinking he's in his third year. Well, yeah, I mean, like, he had that tore ACL last year. Not, right. Then, like I didn't. I forgot he played two full seasons before that, yeah. and he's he caught eight touchdowns in his and rookie season. This is behind the the great Antonio Gates, yeah. who Philip Rivers loves. Yeah. Like Philip Rivers would basically just sit there and th- throw at Antonio Gates, like almost like Ben would throw at AB. Like it just he'd just sit there and go well. It's going to. He was about to be snapped. All he's like, yeah, I'm throwing it's, it's Antonio. Going to Antonio. I don't Gates, care what's right. happening. Now, if Hunter Henry could turn into that guy, that he, that if Philip Rivers just likes to target, then he could easily be. You know, he could easily have a blow up season, top three type of talent. I just don't think that's super in the cards. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, look, I have met seven touchdowns. I'm at 199 fantasy points. The next guy that we're talking about, OJ Howard, uh, I'm you know I think he's going to score a good twenty to twenty five more fantasy points. Yeah. So I think there's a, a, I think there's a decent amount enough gap there um, when we talk about that. That that's when I that's what I'm talking about when I say I, th- I think OJ Howard gives you a little bit more of a chance to jump up there. I just don't see from a, a target standpoint. Um, I have OJ Howard at 105 targets, which isn't a whole lot more. You know, than Hunter Henry. I think Hunter Henry can get up there too. It, it kind of in that range, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit more excited about OJ Howard in the upside. Um, but look, Hunter Henry's pretty close, and I can certainly see where you're coming from, Pat, when you talk about Hunter Henry jumping up into that tier as well. I think we could see Hunter Henry be a little bit more of a possession guy than OJ Howard. I think OJ Howard's a little bit more athletic. It could be one of the yard more yardage per catch type. Yep. Like maybe say I'm not in these guys aren't equal, but it's maybe say OJ Howard be a little more in the Kelsey mold and Hunter Henry would be a little more in the in the Ertz role. Now, yeah, they're, not, that's they're a, nowhere near similar. But yeah, just saying, like, I could yeah, that's fair. You could see I could see Hunter Henry getting a little more volume than a guy like OJ Howard, but mm-hmm. OJ Howard having the yards and the touchdowns. Yeah, so when we talk about OJ Howard, we both have him at number four. Um, so we went, we, we have Henry at five, OJ Howard at four. I have Howard at 105 targets, 68 receptions. I have him going over a thousand yards. When you, when you talk about that yards per catch, that's what I, I see too. He had 16.6 in both yeah, years. In, yeah. in both the past two years, he was exactly at 16.6. Yeah. So, I see that coming down a little bit. But I do too. He's going to be a guy that, that like he gets the ball and he's going to move down the field. Yeah. I, I think he hovers around a thousand yards, if not goes over a thousand yards and I have him catching eight touchdowns. I think he has a good year in the red zone this year. I really do. No more Adam Humphreys, who Jameis Winston, you know, hey, 105 targets last year. There's 179 targets that are left behind by Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys. So, you know, I know that 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 uh, O.J. Howard and Jameis Winston have not played together a whole lot to this point, only three and a half games together, uh, essentially three and a half games together last year. Um so we'll see. I think the jury's still out a little bit no. on this, both from the quarterback standpoint and on O.J. Howard. I I certainly see a bright future and a bright 2019 for O.J. Howard. We'll see what they do with Jameis Winston going forward, and that will that will matter. 
Um, but but O.J. Howard, yeah, I think the sky's the limit here. And again, I, I can't say it enough. This is my favorite guy. If, if I had to pick a wild card to jump into that top three, I still have him quite a few fantasy points. I think I have him 30 or 40 fantasy points behind number three, and that's George Kittle. But if there's one guy that could jump into it, that's O.J. Howard for me. No doubt. Now, the one thing I think is going to be important for people to think about is a lot, you know, these are popular guys. Hunter Henry and, and O.J. Howard are very popular kind of tight end guys. Right there in that, like, those next two are ready to jump in. You know who else is very popular as wide receivers to jump into that next tier? Chris Godwin and Mike Williams. You can't like all four of these guys. Yeah. You need to either like Godwin or Howard, and you either need to like Mike Williams or Hunter Henry. They can't, I mean, you can, you can still... Like kind of slot those guys in and just you know take your shot on who gets better because I think either of these guys have the, the potential to take that number two spot in that offense, yeah. but only one of them is going to. If, that's a good if Mike point. Williams catches ten touchdowns, that's going to cut out the uh, the upside of Hunter Henry. Yeah. And if if same thing with Godwin, well I think Godwin's less of a touchdown guy. Yep. If he catches you know a hundred passes, that's really going to cut down the amount that OJ Howard can. So, that's a great point. Not to mention with Cameron Brait there. So yeah. real quick, if you are looking for something on O.J. Howard, just a little bit of a, you know statistical analysis from 2018. On a 16-game pace, over 16 games, 77 targets, 54 receptions, nine over 900 yards on just 54 catches, eight touchdowns. Pat, that's 192 standard point fantasy point, or I'm sorry, 192 points PPR. He would have actually finished his tight end five, beating out Eric Ebron by about 20 points. It, that was I looked at kind of the standard number there. Yeah, of what he would have beat out um, Eric Ebron by. So that's just something to think about over a 16 game pace. Now a lot I know a lot of that was with Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, but but I think the again the future is bright for this kid, and I think he's going to have a big 2019. And and it doesn't help the fact you know for Cam, somebody like Cameron Bright, who they had signed to a longer deal, uh, Jameis loves him. Well, he just, had, he just had hip surgery in January. Yeah, good point. He had a torn labrum in yeah. his hip that he played last year with. So I think that's um, – you've got to think I about mean, it a little bit, I would think. Yeah, I think he'll be okay. That's he a, a surgery that okay. it's – I mean, it could take a while to recover from. Depends on when he had it. When did you say he had it? I think January. He's going to miss all summer. He's going to be ready for camp. They yeah. think he's going to be ready for camp. They're pretty, com- they're pretty confident. Yeah, it'll be a guy to watch. It'll be a big, big thing to watch him. I yeah. think he'll be back at some point in the year. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, and like I said, James wouldn't surprise me if he's there. Great one. chemistry. Yeah, he'll cap OJ Howard's up uh, touchdown upside a little bit if he's healthy. Yeah. So okay, let's Pat. Let's jump into the top three then. And I, this is no surprise. We have them the same. Kittle at yeah. three, Ertz at two, and Kelsey at yeah, one. I think we just talk about this. Good. This group is a big kind of conglomerate. I would agree. I would agree. I think I again. I think I have a, a thirty or forty point fantasy gap between number three yeah. and number four. Yeah. Um. I think that. You know, what's, I guess, let me ask you this. One takeaway here, I think Kittle's an interesting one. What does he do with Jimmy Garoppolo? Because we have not seen, I have some, some numbers here on a short time frame. They've only played eight games together. It hasn't been very good, but six of those games came in George Kittle's rookie season, just two last year before Garoppolo went down with that torn ACL in week three at Kansas City. Um, so we haven't seen a ton, but. What's your one takeaway from this group of three? If there, if there was something that um, you think would maybe likely surprise you from these three tight ends, is there one thing that kind of stands out that you could see maybe going haywire, not going according to plan, I guess? 
There's a lot, honestly. I mean, with George Kittle alone, he saw he basically broke records. I think he did break a record in terms of tight end receiving yards. He was insanity. He he just he was so efficient with his his point his yards. And while he is a game breaking tight end, I don't see him getting back to thirteen hundred yards. Like I, I mean, even if he gets a, a better workload, I just don't like or like I don't see him even breaking one hundred twenty four targets again. Like I could see him potentially catching about still about eighty five passes because I yep. think he's he's gonna have a better catch rate than you know eighty five and one thirty or 120, but I just, getting back to 1,300 yards, nobody, no tight end does that, and he's not going to be the focus of this offense like he was last year. I think Pettis comes into his own. I think Debo Samuel is a very good option in that offense, and, you know, I think they still look to run the ball a good amount. Yeah, so, so to, go ahead. Sorry, I, I don't just mean don't see. I, I could see Kittle about, he, he needs to change up a good, a good amount about his game, to get back to where he's at. Like, I just don't, I, it, I don't see him having any more ceiling than what he already did. That's a good point. Now, the one thing I will say to counter that, though, 1,377 yards last year, just five touchdowns. Yes. So, that is big. That is big. If you take away 200 yards, say 20 fantasy points, but you add in three touchdowns, I mean, bang, that's where you make yeah, it up. Yeah. That's where you make it up. That's already made up right he there. Ease, this offense could easily be very good and him just score a lot more touchdowns. Yeah, and I would agree with you, too, in terms of the catch rates under 65%. He was like 64% catch rate last year. Um, I think that probably comes up that a little bit. Up. I have no, like 67, I think. Are you, if you wa- I was a Kittle owner last year, loved every second of it. If you watch those games, they literally force-fed Kittle. They would just He would be double-covered. And towards the end of the year, pe- teams did just start double covering him. Yeah. And they, like they would just throw it to him anyway. Yeah. So he had a lot of low quality targets last year that I think that will bring up his catch rate after that he just they're just more catchable and not in double coverage. Well, I think there was a Monday night or a Sunday night game. It might have been against the Giants. I f- I feel like it was. Um, it was a crappy, crappy game. I think it was a Monday night game. And I think Pat, I think I was playing you. Because I think mm-hmm. I had Matt Breida and you had George Kittle. And yeah. I had a, a very, very, very low chance of coming back to beat you. And I think Mullins was quarterback for the Niners at the time. Look, I'm ballparking, clearly. If he threw 25 passes, I know 15 of them went to George Kittle. Mm-hmm. Like, I know for a fact that 15 of those 25 passes went to George Kittle. Like, that was the percentage. It, it, at least, I shouldn't say for a fact because I don't know. But that's what it felt like. Like, he was just chucking it to George Kittle. And that is what you're talking about. That's kind of the epitome of who he was last year. Now, let's see if Jimmy Garoppolo kind of takes the same approach. Uh, They bring in Debo Samuel, who I think is going to be a very good player. I think that Dante Pettis takes a step forward, like you talked about. And, you know, if Marquise Goodwin can stay healthy, I think that him and Garoppolo kind of formed a connection last year too early, you know, in the summer and stuff. So, yeah, there's more options there. Um Looking at the numbers, I have him at 130 targets. That might be a little bit optimistic. 87 receptions, under 1,200 yards. I'm at 1185, and I do have the touchdowns going up. I have at nine touchdowns. So I'm at 260 fantasy points. Um, just for some comparison, you know, standards, that's, you know, that is 40 more points than I have for um, OJ Howard. So there is still yeah. a pretty good gap there. I do think the touchdowns come up. I do think that the, re- the targets come down a decent bit but again the catch rate is probably up just a a few ticks too so 
Um, I did talk about, I really wanted to mention this. Only two full games with Jimmy Garoppolo in 2018 uh, for George Kittle. I talked about the torn ACL. You know, after week three, he was gone. Um, he averaged 10.5 points per game, Kittle that is, weeks one through three, and 17.4 after that. Through eight career games with Jimmy G, 34 targets, 23 receptions, 360 yards, one touchdown. He really has not done anything in eight games with Jimmy Garoppolo. But again, it, 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 those aren't terrible numbers by any means. Um, and I mentioned the fact that six of those came in his rookie season. So it can be kind of taken with a grain of salt is what I'm getting at. I, th- I just thought it was interesting that they, you know, they've played eight games together so far. They haven't done a whole, whole lot. Only one touchdown to show for. Um, but 20 receptions of 20-plus yards last year for George Kittle, that's more than both Kelsey and Ertz, which was crazy. I do think that that comes down a, a little bit. Um, it seemed like this guy was making a big play every time he touched the football. So Yeah, it was it was wild. It was it was, it was wild. wild, for sure. Do we need to say really anything about Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey at 1-2, Pat? I mean, I honestly see a, 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 a layout or like a scenario where Zach Ertz regresses, honestly. I just he had a uh, in, in like he had a ton of targets last year and target ton of receptions. He's a very efficient tight end, but I, he just had so many last year. And I think that we have additions to this offense that could easily eat into his workload. Here's a good point too that I was hoping would kind of debunk that that theory what you just mm-hmm. talked about was what did he do with. Carson Wentz as opposed to Nick Foles mm-hmm. and there wasn't a lot of difference no he wasn't. actually performed very well with Nick Foles yeah. so yeah I could definitely see that happening I mean it, it, he could easily just do what he did again last year but I don't think that I have him doing likely. that but <laughs> I, I don't think it's as likely yeah yeah I don't but I don't think he has much more upside there he's never been a huge touchdown guy in fact he's I mean he's had eight the last two years but the, before that he was he was only capped at four you know, for a while is one of the big things. Like you have always said that he, we, we had kind of been like, man, if he could only just score, score more touchdowns. Yeah. Yep. I don't see him going berserk for 12. I think Goddard might eat into that workload a little bit more. Not to mention they have JJ or Sega Whiteside, who's a red zone threat. Yep. Menace. They have, they just brought in Deshaun Jackson. He's a rookie though. I don't want to put stock, a whole lot of stock in a rookie. I mean, he catch three, yeah. which takes away from what uh, maybe one of the ones that Ertz would have caught. Okay. Um, you have Miles Sanders in there. You have a guy, Jordan Howard, who's a very good power back. Not going to be a, a problem there for, um, you know, for receptions. But he could take away a red zone target or two, and which could be a touchdown again. Um, and they, you know, I just, I just see. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. There, there's a lot a that lot adds up that says that that he's not going to catch 116 passes. And even if they didn't have two of those guys that you just talked about, I don't think he catches 116 passes. I bet he could catch 100. I am 106. I think he probably gets close to there. I I, I still think that you're you're drafting Zach Ertz. You're guaranteed a top three tight end. Yeah, 100%. Now, this is the more interesting question to me. Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, really quickly. Travis Kelsey, again, same thing. Uh, You know, a lot of this... Not really a lot of it. I shouldn't say a lot of it depends on Tyreek Hill, but I think he probably gets close to that one. He definitely gets close to that 150 target mark if yeah. Tyreek Hill's not on it for, say, four games. Oh, my God. He's going to be eat. Uh, 100%. He's, I have him at 147 targets, so getting there anyway. Um, but, but, yeah, these two guys top two. Pat, I'll ask you this. 
where are you comfortable? This is the age-old question of how early are you comfortable drafting a tight end, and particularly how comfortable are you drafting Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey in the top, you know, to, I don't know, round two, round three? I'm scared. I'm honestly scared of drafting these guys. Like it's the hype train is getting out of control. Like right now, Travis Kelsey is Travis going, Kelsey is entering like Gronk hype. I feel yeah, like no, he is. He's there. He's right now in a twelve-team league. He's going at the third pick in the second round. Right. You're you're gonna need like if you're you're gonna be getting like Julio and Gronk or Melvin Gordon and I mean and and Kittle. Like you're gonna be looking at tra- taking him yeah. right there and. Like, even Ertz and Kittle are going in the third round when... Here, let, let me look and see who's... Well, we talked about this the other day. George would you, Kittle. Would, would you I drafted George Kittle, Zach Ertz, or Aaron or Aaron Jones, or Carrion Johnson, or Joe, J- or Joe Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. <laughs> hey, Joe, hope you're I listening. I hope Joe's listening to I, this. I hope you're listening, Joe, but I'd, I would take you every day, Joe. But anyway... <laughs> Devon, you know, like I, I like those guys are going around like your like third your third pick. Like I, I, I don't want to use a tight end. I don't want I don't want to take a No, tight end. I agree. I would rather have Aaron Jones and carry on Johnson any day. Like I at feel that like point. I look like at my three. Those are one of those picks that you make. You look back at your team after the draft and you go <sighs> Yeah. It just I don't stings. like it. I don't like it. I, I agree. I, I much prefer going after a guy like Hunter Henry or or uh or O.J. Howard yep. in the late fifth, early sixth, and saying, you know what, I'm just going to stream quarterback. I'm going to, you know, you could have three. Like, you're feeling much better about your team when you have two running backs, two receivers, and then you take then that tight end. And tight end, yeah. And then just you just go for depth. Right I agree. I agree. All right, well, we got to wrap up, Pat, because we are at about an hour on the podcast now. So thanks again for everybody listening to our top 12 tight end rankings. We are going to be moving on to our wide receivers and running backs next. Next. Uh, not sure in which which order we'll go. We'll we'll, we'll figure Let's that see out. Running backs but, next. Okay, we'll do. We're doing running backs next. It's been determined. So we're doing running backs. Um, we'll come out with that probably uh, podcast either this week, if not the end of this week, then next week for sure. We'll get those out. So um so you know kind of stay tuned for that. And as always, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Um, iTunes, pretty much any podcast directory that you have or you listen to or you, you know, kind of uh, uh, stay up with, you can find Pat and Stats. So follow us there. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And for Pat Cotter, I'm your host, James Swanson. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.